Hello and welcome back to Cinema at First Sight. I think that this is episode three. In all transparency, I am recording this very out of order, so I have no idea. But if this is your first time listening, then hello, welcome. The premise of this podcast is that I will either watch the pilot episode of a TV show or the first half of a movie and make an assumption about it, reviewing it using as little information as possible. And that is what I'm back and doing again today. The TV show that I am going to be tackling is iCarly. However, not the 2007 Dan Schneider Nickelodeon classic that we know and love, but the 2021 Paramount Plus revival by the same name. So first question, is this a rewatch or is this a first time watch? For the new version, it is a first time watch, however, I have definitely seen every episode of its predecessor. I was a major fan back in the day. It was no Drake and Josh, but I still appreciated the series for what it was. So let's just say that I was very keen to watch this new version, and after seeing the pilot, I have a lot of thoughts, which I'm going to get into in embarrassingly extreme detail. Like, spoiler alert, I currently have 3,907 words of notes. That's a thesis. That is more time and effort than I think the writers put into creating this revival, but I'm getting ahead of myself. Before I dive into anything, I'm just going to take you through some of the basic plot points of this new pilot. The episode opens in Spencer's Seattle apartment that we know. In a few very clumsily written lines entirely designed to fill the audience in on what we've missed over the past eight years, we learn that Spencer's art really took off and he's now incredibly rich and can actually afford the apartment that they lived in for the entire previous series. Freddie is twice divorced, raising his adopted stepdaughter Millicent and living with his mum once again. And Jeanette McCurdy's choice to steer clear of this revival is explained away as Sam choosing to quote, follow her bliss and travel around with a biker gang. In present time, after taking some time off from social media, Carly sets up a romantic dinner for her and her boyfriend Beau and prepares to pop what the 40-year-old showrunners apparently think the most important question a millennial can ask is, will you start a couple's collab channel with me? She's so sure that the night's going to go according to plan that she subtly sets up an Instagram live stream to secretly record the conversation again. Classic millennial behavior, because those darn young people and their technology, am I right? However, obviously, you guessed it, things go awry. Bo proposes they take some time apart, aka break up, and Carly has a full-on meltdown. We're then introduced to Carly's new best friend slash Loki Sam replacement, Harper, who's a woke bisexual feminist and woman of color, aka a way to prove that despite the awkward clunky dialogue and wacky absurdist storylines, this isn't Nickelodeon anymore. She encourages Carly to suck it up and go to a party Spencer's throwing, which she eventually begrudgingly does with the full intention of leaving within the first few minutes, until another random guy, Luke, who she went to summer camp with years ago, shows up and turns her whole mood around. Because apparently, self-esteem really does ride on the back of whether or not you have any romantic prospects. Good to know, Paramount. 
The next morning, Carly invites her ex-boyfriend Bo over for what I can only call a brag brunch, where she rubs it in his face that she's found a new guy to tie herself worth to. And then he reveals that he's also moved on and has decided to start a collab channel with his new girlfriend, and I think we can all guess what happens next. Carly announces that her and Luke, who she's literally spoken to once, are also starting a collab channel that premieres this Friday, so the pressure's officially on. We've got our episode complication. She then goes on an actual proper date with Luke to a restaurant that only serves whey, not the protein, the strained milk remnants. Miss Muffet, she quakes. And when he keeps commenting on the viscosity and mouthfeel of said curdled milk, Carly realizes he's not collab channel material. However, after some coaxing from Freddy, she gets hella meta and decides to reboot iCarly solo without Sam, because we couldn't let Carly make the decision to be independent with at least some input and validation from a man. The episode then ends with an iCarly sketch, which involves Spencer poking his head through a hole in a bassinet and pretending to be a baby, while Carly smears anti-aging cream that she panic bought after an employee called her ma'am all over him, because apparently Dan Schneider's presence will always be felt, no matter how removed from this project he is. And that's officially the end of the pilot. It's a lot. And I have a lot of feelings, some conflicting, and I'm excited to get into it. So first question, what are some of my favorite moments or moments that I consider to be most exciting or most pivotal? I think to start at the beginning, I really like the theme song slash the modern credit interface update. So it's the theme song we know and love. However, instead of having a montage of show clips play within the frame of an old Mac OS browser, they now play from an updated iPhone, which I think is honestly the perfect metaphor for at least what the show is trying to do make the show more relevant while also maintaining elements of nostalgia from the original. It's cute. I'm a fan. Which brings me to my next favorite thing, and what I think is definitely the best thing this revival has going for it, the nostalgia value. From a handful of the original characters coming back, to even the transition music, to the familiar establishing shots of their Seattle loft, this show has nostalgia in spades. Watching this, having been a fan of the original growing up, feels almost comforting. However, spoiler alert, I do think at the moment nostalgia really is this revival's main, if not only, driving force. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Back to some of my favourite things. Again, in terms of nostalgic references to its predecessor, I really liked that Freddie's mum, Mrs. Benson, makes an appearance at Spencer's party. And, on brand as ever, she was a classic, highly strung, overbearing self. Definitely a cameo I appreciated. And then on a macro level, I do like the overall notion of the characters we grew up with growing up themselves and leading adult lives. Again, this is yet to be realized in a way that I would like or find funny or genuinely entertaining, but there's promise in the premise. Speaking of promise, I think that Harper, Carly's new best friend, has the potential to be a really good addition, which I'll delve into more later when I do a more in-depth character deep dive. And the final thing I liked about this new revival, it's small and kind of stupid, but I enjoyed the low-key shade that the show threw on new wave hipster Seattle culture. I mean, having an experimental restaurant dedicated to serving whey is a pretty funny concept. And also, 100% something I could totally see opening in areas like that that take themselves too seriously. We love a little bit of social satire. 
And then I guess objectively the most pivotal moment is when Carly decides to restart the show on her own because obviously that sets up what this entire new series is going to surround around. Carly's back on the internet. iCarly is officially back in full swing. The premise has been laid out. However, now moving along to moments that are my least favorite or moments I consider to be least exciting or least pivotal. Unfortunately, there are a lot of them. In fact, it's the majority of the show. Number one, a thing that I really dislike is the fact that this show just doesn't know what demographic to pitch at at all. It has the broad, unsubtle humor of a kid's show, but has just enough adult themes and references to prevent kids from actually watching it. So I guess from that, the demographic is really immature, unfunny adults. Some of the adult elements include Carly saying that Harper has a quote, never-ending buffet of people wanting to sleep with her, everyone knocking back a couple of cocktails, Carly saying that she wants to use a sexy alien Snapchat filter. It's like, look mum, I'm edgy now, but really you're just a 13-year-old Lizzie McGuire with a clip-on nose ring. But then there's also slapstick, Dan Schneider-esque physical, and I use this word lightly, comedy, which has aged really poorly since 2007. And also insanely cringy dialogue, such as people unironically calling each other ding-dongs, and I just don't know what I'm watching. And if it didn't tie so heavily in with my childhood, I wouldn't be watching it at all. Which leads me to my next least favorite thing, this being that the show just has a weird jarring tonal mix. There are completely immature antics that are juxtaposed with low-key existentialism prompted by divorce or relationship breakdown and the prospect of aging. We see this whenever Freddy talks about his failed marriages or in Carly's state of depression throughout the entire episode post-breakup. And then also when she talks about being called ma'am and how that's a reminder that we're quote, all going to die someday. 2009 Tumblr called, it wants its pattern on intensified angst back. The show is clumsy and unsubtle, while simultaneously trying to prove that it's not that, that are just purely incorporated to demonstrate that they're all adults now, without the writers actually having to write to the fact that they're all adults now. I'm all for experimental tonal mashups, but I'm not here for confused, very basic shows that just haven't decided what brand of basic they want to be yet. Pick a demographic, stick to it. That's all I can say. Actually, that's not all I can say. As I mentioned, I have 3,907 words of notes. Another thing that annoys me is the fact that it is very clearly written by adults trying to guess what influencer culture is like. Like, I mean, for one, just the idea that a massive step in a millennial relationship is creating a couple's channel is stupid. And I think for the most part untrue. Or even that Carly would be live streaming the moment without his knowledge. Like, I've done one Instagram live in my life. And it was not of a high stakes moment. It was of me killing time in a dressing room. It's just adults assuming that everyone under 30 is completely obsessed with and dependent upon technology, which sure is likely true, but just not like this. And another thing that really bothers me, the laugh track. It's outdated, it's unnecessary, it's very cringy. Canned laughter may have been all the rage for popular late 90s and early 2000s network TV sitcoms, but this is on a streaming platform in 2021. If you still have to guide the audience to the joke and tell them when to laugh, your writing's not good enough. I understand that there was a distinct laugh track in the original iCarly series, so getting rid of it could have been a controversial move, but having constant laughter follow unfunny dialogue just makes me even more aware of how much I'm not laughing. 
And then it's hard to narrow it down. But specifically, I think my absolute least favourite moment is the sketch with Spencer as a baby being lathered in face cream featured at the end of the episode. This is perhaps the worst and most uncomfortable thing I've ever seen in my 23 years on Earth. I mean, everyone involved is a grown-ass adult. Actually, except for Freddie's daughter Millicent, who is the only person not participating. That's embarrassing. Like, I'm embarrassed, and I'm not even close to being a part of it. What looked like a wacky teenage kid show antic 10 years ago now looks like a very specific fetish, and I'm not here for it. Not to kink shame, but save it for OnlyFans. And then another thing that bothers me is the seeming lack of growth in Carly's character, which I will definitely talk more about when we get to some of the show's more problematic elements. But essentially, Carly has the same dependence on boys and relationships to validate her self-worth as she did when she was 15. We hate to see it. But let's move on to something slightly more positive. Some of my favourite characters. First up, I think Spencer. Honestly, he's a meme. Always has been and continues to be. I remember finding him kind of annoying in my youth in the original series, but now I'm able to find him likeable and even like a bit funny, which is saying a lot because there's nothing funny about this show. Maybe the character's cringe has softened slightly, or maybe there's so many other annoying and borderline unwatchable elements that Spencer's cringe just pales in comparison, but I'm enjoying what he's bringing to the show. I also think that Jerry Trainer is actually doing a really good job considering what he's working with. I think he has naturally very good comedic timing and his broad delivery and large physical choices work well within this sitcom format. And then another one of my favourite characters, I guess, is Freddy. I do have a question mark, but I've always liked him. Yeah, he's a major pushover and yes, he lets his stepdaughter Millicent walk all over him, but he means well. He tries his best. And you just can't help but feel sorry for him. Two divorces by 27, moving back in with an overbearing kind of psychotic mother, having to raise the world's most petulant stepdaughter, that's quite the array of baggage. His plate is chock-a-block. And just like I was talking about with Jerry Trainer, I think that Nathan Cress is also doing a really good job. I can see him working hard to make the cringy dialogue as bearable as possible, and I personally, as a viewer, really appreciate that. The perfect example of making lemonade out of lemons. And then my third and final favourite character again has a question mark next to their name, which doesn't bode well for the quality of the show, but I have Harper. Probably. I like her. She loves a good time. She wears some pretty bomb outfits. She's loud. She's unapologetically herself. And at this point, I think she has the potential to be really funny. She isn't quite there, but we've got a solid foundation for a comedic character. At the moment, the show is pushing the edgy, woke, bisexual angle a bit hard so they can be like, wow, we've changed, look how diverse we are, Nickelodeon who? But once she becomes less of a low-key tokenistic stereotype and more of an actual person, I think she could totally be one of the show's comedic bright spots. And that's enough optimism because we're gonna go to our least favourite characters. Number one has got to be Millicent, Freddie's stepdaughter. She's so precocious and bratty for seemingly no reason. Freddy seems like a chill, nice, understanding kind of doormat of a father, but Millicent is completely taking that for granted, slash also exploiting his niceness and bending it to her will without giving him anything in return. Like, not even just common courtesy. 
I have noticed that obnoxious child is a long-standing Disney slash Nickelodeon kid show trope because apparently being rude and disrespectful is like the height of mid-2000s preteen comedy. But speaking as a 23-year-old in 2021, it's tired and old and annoying, which are three words that Millicent constantly uses to describe everyone around her all the time. And apparently that's okay. I'm in no way a fan of strict parenting or totalitarian rule, but babes respect your elders. Unless they're conservative Republicans, then by all means tear them to shreds. And then my next least favorite character has got to be Bo, Carly's annoying old boyfriend. Like, obviously, he's not a great guy. Suddenly breaking up with your girlfriend by telling her that you want space because you've been spending a lot of time together is stupid. Clearly there's some other reason why the time they've been spending together hasn't been ideal. Like, I don't know, they continuously clash or there's no spark and they're just not meant to be. And I think he owes it to the both of them to be honest about the situation. And also don't move on in a literal day and start a collab channel with some random girl you just met. Like, who does that? Actually, no one does that, which is why it is an implausible storyline and a poorly written plot device. But moral of the story, Bo's a no from me. And then I guess another one of my least favorite characters has got to be Luke, Carly's annoying new, in inverted commas, boyfriend. He honestly didn't do anything wrong and was actually just a non-consenting prop in Carly's scheme to publicly be one half of a couple. But anyone who derives enjoyment from the analysis of quote-unquote mouthfeel is disgusting. And I'm not here for it. Now, moving right along to storylines that I think will be expanded upon, or should be expanded upon, or what I want to see more or less of. Putting on my writer's hat, I think that Carly and Freddy are going to end up together. Freddy shippers will finally have their time. There is literally little to no indication of this in the actual episode, but I'm calling it. It's going to happen. I mean, what other direction does the show have to go in? Carly's recently single, Freddie's conveniently twice divorced, they're lifelong friends, he used to be in love with her, the ship already has an entire built-in fanbase years in the making. The showrunners would be stupid not to. Unless they can somehow convince Jeanette McCurdy to come back and Sam and Freddie are once again revived, which is highly unlikely, then I don't think the creators have any other moves to make it if they want the show to stay alive. In terms of what I want to see more of, I'd like some more actual hijinks. I'm keen to see Carly and Freddy and Spencer and these random new characters in more age-appropriate drama and antics that have a touch of the old random wacky Nickelodeon humor, but are actually rooted in real comedy that doesn't assume its audience have the comprehension skills of a preteen. And what I want to see less of, kind of everything we've seen so far, I want less cringe, outdated humor that desperately attempts to be wokely comedic and falls short of being either. I also, for this review, have created a new category, this being similarities and differences to the original. The similarities I've already covered, the location, some of the characters, the cringe humour aimed at children, and the differences are that it contains slightly adult content now. But also I think the biggest difference is that Sam's not in it, and that Carly's fill-in best friend is Harper. I saw online that a lot of people are complaining that Jeanette McCurdy, aka Sam, isn't in the revival. However, weirdly, and probably controversially, I don't really care that much. Everyone my age at the time seemed to love Sam, and every adult I knew seemed to hate her. But I was always in the middle. Like, yeah, occasionally I found her antics semi-funny, but most of the time she just made me uncomfortable, and I always kind of found her a bit gross. Not gross enough for me to dislike her character, but Sam was never a draw card. 
So her not being in it wasn't necessarily a negative thing or a death sentence for this revival as so many people have been saying it is. However, saying that, I do think the revival is off to a rocky start, just unrelatedly so. And then I also just wrote down a couple of weird things I noticed. This episode was directed by Phil Lewis, aka Mr. Mosby from The Sweet Life of Zack and Cody. Like what? In the nostalgic kids show crossover? Why? It's also produced by Esther Pavitsky, who I know from playing Maya in Crazy Ex-Girlfriend and Izzy in Dollface, and I just want to know how she became involved with this. I want to know how either of them became involved with this. Like, both Phil Lewis and Esther Pavitsky are famous enough for me to know them in very different ways, but not famous enough that having their names attached to the production would result in it getting more funding. I think having Miranda Cosgrave on board as an executive producer would be enough to do that. I really don't have much else to say on the matter, it was just a random catch that I found super weird. Now, moving along to my next category, most problematic moments. I do have in brackets if applicable because I don't want to force anything. However, I have picked up on a few things. There aren't too many large-scale problematic moments within the show, seeing as it's trying so hard to be woke. However, there are still a few messages being communicated that aren't as positive as I would like them to be. The first thing I'm going to address is that when the new cast was announced, there was significant backlash online saying that the actress who plays Harper was only brought in because she's black and because Jeanette McCurdy didn't come back as Sam, they've instead gone down the diversity route to make up for it. I mean, I think this is stupid and everyone needs to shut up. Other writers really trying to push the woke plot that she's a bisexual, sexually liberated woman of colour, for sure. Are they milking this a little too much? Perhaps. Is she kind of a token character to demonstrate how diverse the show has become? Maybe a little. However, the show in general is unsubtle, so I would be surprised if their inclusion of diversity was any different. No matter how loud they're choosing to scream it, increasing diversity is always a good thing. And I by no means think that the actress who plays Harper was hired purely because of her ethnic background, and everyone online insinuating that is kind of being low-key racist. In this case, those who smelt it dealt it. However, there is an actual element I have an issue with that I touched on briefly before. I think the fact that Carly is still obsessed with boys and lets them dictate all of her life choices is problematic. Her boyfriend, Beau, who she honestly didn't even really seem to like, breaking up with her suddenly sends her spiraling into a full dissociative cave of depression. Sure, be upset, that's valid and earned, but don't let some guy you didn't super care about totally shatter your life and sense of self. And definitely don't jump into a new relationship so you and your online presence can be constantly defined by who you're dating, or just the fact that you're dating at all. Despite this character flaw, I decided not to put Carly on my list of least favourite characters because to be fair, she just seems like a victim of a misogynistic paradigm, aka a basic, outdated and chauvinistic writer's room. It's 2021. Don't let a boy, or lack thereof, impact your happiness, your career path, or literally any other facet of your life. I'm not saying Carly has to be a perfect character. I'm also not saying that all female characters must be independent, driven, and confident icons. But I would like to see all female characters strive to be that. And at the moment, Carly is definitely falling short. And not in a nuanced, imperfect, self-aware kind of way that a more contemplative and, no offense, well-written show would tackle, but in a stereotypical, laugh-at-the-flatty, emotional, codependent woman kind of way, and I don't want female disempowerment to be the butt of these poorly written, unfunny jokes. 
Okay, rant over. Let's move along to what category of viewing this is. The three that I always lay out for myself are trash, meaning that it's a terribly made, poorly written show. Treasure, meaning that it is incredibly created and a masterpiece. Or guilty pleasure, meaning that it's pretty bad, but I'm still lured and into it. And I feel guilty about the fact that I am so immersed in this terribly written world. For me personally, I would say that this straddles the divide between trash and guilty pleasure. Obviously, we're going to rule out treasure. It's not winning an Emmy anytime soon. I would classify it as a guilty pleasure for me personally because I really am into it for the nostalgia, which Paramount Plus and Nickelodeon were clearly banking on, but their ploy worked. I'm a willing hog in the machine. However, do I feel guilty about mildly enjoying it? Absolutely, because the show is trash. And if you've never seen iCarly, I would say don't bother because you're not going to get anything out of it. At the moment, without nostalgia and familiarity, this show has nothing. However, I do think that it has the potential to get better and maybe become just a straight up guilty pleasure. Here's hoping. Now, viewing style. Who would I watch it with? Where would I watch it? And who would I not watch it with? AKA the least and most ideal viewing circumstances. I think the ideal viewing circumstance would be with a group of friends, definitely all of whom watched the original iCarly, and with a seriously stocked up bar. Perhaps turn the show into a drinking game. That's probably the best way to go. Take a sip every time they try to be self-referential. Take two sips every time a character tries and fails to be edgy. Finish your drink every time you cringe. Maybe have an ER nurse on standby with a stomach pump just to be safe. Because you've got a wild night ahead. And I reiterate, least ideal viewing circumstance, do not watch it if you have never seen an episode of iCarly before. Because then you're just watching every other bad sitcom ever made. Except this time we can't even blame the outdated nature of traditional media and network television because this is on a streaming service, so there's no excuse. The scapegoat left the building. However, will I keep going with the rest of the season? Probably. I want to see if it gets better. Also, I'm a sucker for nostalgia. However, if iCarly weren't an iconic part of my childhood, I would most likely ditch it. There's too much good television around at the moment to make time for bad sitcoms with aged canned laughter. So, rating out of five, I'm gonna give it like a two, which isn't actually as bad as it sounds. Look, seeing as a 2.5 is 50%, meaning it's an alright, perfectly average show, I would say iCarly 2.0 is just below that. It's not good. It's certainly not great, but it's not horrific. It's just cringe, with dodgy writing and questionable acting, but is certainly entertaining for fans of the original series. And honestly, call me an optimist, but I think this is just a rocky start. Everyone is trying to navigate this new, weird, kid show turned adult show territory, and I think that as it goes on, it'll hopefully get better. Am I saying that it will become an Emmy award-winning treasure and genuine masterpiece? No. But... I think it has the potential to become a 2.5, or dare I say 3 out of 5, as it progresses. Look, fingers crossed, iCarly 2.0, I'm rooting for you. And that's all I have for you. If you want to see if my review was accurate, then I guess check out iCarly on Paramount Plus or watchseries.com. And I will be back with you next week when I will review something I currently haven't picked yet, because as always, Preparedness is not my strong suit, and I'll talk to you then. Bye!